Hey, hey, welcome back to the show where keeping it real goes right. Welcome back to Real Take Sports Talk Live here on YouTube. As you can see, we are in the festival. The festival? No, the festive mood. The festivist mood for those who watch Seinfeld. We're in a very festive mood here. We got the Grinch in the background, obviously, which, by the way, if you guys hit hit that like button, subscribe. Actually, mostly if you subscribe. Uh, if you guys subscribe and we get to 1,000 before Christmas Day, on Christmas Day, I will be reading this book on a live stream during the day on Christmas. So, who wouldn't want to see that? So, if you haven't already, let's help us get to 1,000. We're, right now, I believe, less than 20. We're 16. 16 subscribers away from 1,000 for the year or 1000 for all time i guess i don't know i'm i'm making it up as i go along however i'm not making up that number uh we're gonna try to get to it by tonight's stream by the way tonight we will be streaming the thursday night football matchup between the san francisco 49ers and the tennessee titans so be on the lookout for that again hit that like button subscribe hit that notification bell i can see liam and cincy are already in the chat causing a ruckus always love to see that um and if you're listening on spotify or apple Podcasts, please hit that follow button and of course leave a five star review as well big week for real take sports big week for sports in general we've seen Aaron Rodgers once again get into a little bit of trouble with with his what he says a cancel culture mob. We're also we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about Cole Beasley doing a similar thing. We're also going to be talking about Kyrie Irving returning to the Nets in thankfully more sports oriented news. And we're going to be talking about Buck Showalter being the new manager for the New York Baseball Mets. So much to break down. So much to talk about. Some news from the NFL as well. And we're going to be predicting, of course, as we do every week. All the games from this upcoming week of NFL football, NFL week 16 already. Who would have thought we got here already? But we are. Uh, let's go to the chat real quick where Cincy is saying vibes. Big vibes here from Cincy. He also says, let's talk about the how the Bengals are going to win the AFC North in a uh, – in, in, in something that I can only say is fake news. They're not going to win the AFC North. But we'll talk about the Bengals and the Ravens uh, in just a bit. Um, Liam in the chat says, you're a mod now. Nice. By the way, speaking of nice, for those who uh, are tuning in, next week is going to be Real Take Sports Talk 69, which is going to be even nicer. Uh, Liam says, hey. Hello, Liam. Well, good to see you. Always good to see you. Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Merry Festivus, and a Happy New Year, you filthy animals. All you out there, we got so much to talk about. Um, let's start, of course, with the man I mentioned earlier on in this episode. Let's talk about Aaron Rodgers. So, Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, was doing his weekly spot on the Pat McAfee show, and he could be seen sporting a hoodie, but not just any hoodie. It was a hoodie that said cancel culture and had the word term crossed out on his chest. Uh, it caused a lot of upcry or a lot of outcry, I should say, from those in sports media, those on the left, obviously. And the only thing I can say about this is that, man, for someone who says he doesn't like to complain, for someone who says he's a deep thinker, for someone who says he's kind of let this whole situation go, Aaron Rodgers doesn't seem like he's kind of let this go at all. Um, 
And, and, you know, he's, of course, he talked about, you know, he didn't talk about this now, but before he talked about, of course, the cancel culture mob, the woke mob that's going to come after him. Um, and, you know, he says, and, you know, he, he put out the, the same tropes that, uh, that most people who want to make these types of arguments do. They say, oh, well, you know, they're attacking me for my viewpoints, for my opinions. And, you know, here's the thing. If Aaron Rodgers had said, I don't feel comfortable getting the vaccine, I don't feel comfortable doing X, Y, and Z, that's fine. That's an opinion. That's a stance. That's fine. You can do that. It's when you start to go get into the reasons why, which again, I think you should have that conversation. But when you have that conversation in such a one-sided way on your platform, right, or on a platform, and then you go around and you spout very blatant nonsense. Like what Aaron Rodgers was spouting about, you know, defending his defense of his stance, right? Was nonsense. It was complete and utter nonsense. Easily disprovable information. Disinformation, I should say. And I know that term gets thrown around a lot. And that's why I want to get this segment done quick, right? Uh, but what Aaron Rodgers said here, or what Aaron Rodgers did here, just shows that he's not over it. He's not over the uh, the fact that he said some BS. He's not over the fact that he lied. Not even about his status. I don't even care about him lying about his status. The team knew, the NFL knew, everyone who needed to know really knew. What I'm most mad about with Aaron Rodgers is, dude, you got owned. <laughs> you got owned for lying and and spreading lies. And then on top of that, on top of that, dude, you're saying that people holding you accountable, people saying, well, you actually, this isn't true, Aaron. X, Y, Z is actually true. You're saying that, oh, these people are attacking you? Could Aaron Rodgers come across as more of a snowflake? Like, honestly, this is snow, big snowflake behavior. Like, I, I just, I, I know we're in the season of Christmas. I know we're in the season of the holidays. I know we're in all that. But there's nobody right now in who's at such a high profile in all the major sports that looks like more of a snowflake for this than Aaron Rodgers. Like, you, okay, you came on McAfee's show, right? And I love the Pat McAfee show. Watch it nearly every day. You came on the show. You said what you said. And then... You apologize for it. Move on. Cool. Everyone moved on, Aaron. Everybody moved on. Yeah, sure, you got, like, maybe one or two, you know, uh, people out there who are still going to, like, talk about you or whatever. But generally, dude, no one's talking about you. It was like a night and day type of thing. People got over it really quickly. But then you have to come around and do this. Because Aaron Rodgers, you have to get the last word, right? And I think this, you know, it's weird, right? It's weird because it's this thing with Aaron Rodgers you see, and it speaks also to what a lot of his former teammates have said about him. No matter what's going on, no matter what's going on with the team, no matter what's going on in the NFL, no matter what's going on in the world, Aaron Rodgers has to control the conversation. Aaron Rodgers has to be in charge. Aaron Rodgers has to get the last word in. Which, on the field, I get because you are so important and you have been so important. And the only reason that the Green Bay Packers are perennially Super Bowl contenders, I get that. But when you step off the field, when you step into, into other people's domain and 
you get triggered because people said, oh, well, this isn't true and hold, and are holding you accountable for basic logic. I don't know what you want. Just stop getting triggered. Stop being a snowflake, dude, and move on. I understand we're in the we're in the the, the holiday spirit. There's no need to be a snowflake. It's okay. Aaron, Aaron, Aaron. It's okay. It's okay. No need to no need to get all mad about it. No need to cross out all oh, cancel culture. I'm getting canceled. You're not getting canceled, Aaron. You're gonna win the MVP. You're gonna win the MVP. Your team might end up winning the Super Bowl. And the, the the weirdest part about it is, dude, all the conversation, all the hoopla, as I like to say on this show, all of the hoopla surrounding Aaron Rodgers literally died maybe a week afterwards. He came on the McAfee show and he said what he said. And then the next time he came on, he apologized. He he said he retracted some of his stuff, right? All right, cool. We're done. Who gives a flying flub? Nobody. I except for Aaron, apparently, because again, he has to get the last word in, right? And I'm a fan. That's the weird part about all of this. I'm a fan. I could I could not care less about Aaron Rodgers and his personal health beliefs or whatever. I'm a fan of his. I'm a huge fan of of uh, his wife, Miss Woodley, like both both as an actress. And as as you know, someone who's an advocate and an activist and all in all of the great things she does, right? I, I'm a huge fan of all that. And it's it's just I don't get it. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe it is. Maybe what all of his what a lot of his former teammates came out and said, like I, I remember Jermichael Finley was one very prominent former teammate. Maybe it's true. Maybe Aaron Rodgers just is a he just only need, maybe it's the thing where he needs to control the narrative and he feels like he needs to get the last word and maybe this is what the, this is maybe guys again if you have not already hit that like button subscribe and hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released and of course since he just reminded liam in the chat he says liam did you hear that if Homer gets to 1k by Christmas, he's going to stream and read How the Grinch Stole Christmas. That is exactly why I have this wonderful book, the greatest piece of literature ever written by anyone. I have that book in the background just so on Christmas Day I can go up there, read it, and I'll do the Anthony Hopkins voice as best as I can, and I will read the entire book cover to cover live right here on the channel on Christmas Day if and only if we get to 1,000 subscribers, and we are 16, 16 subscribers away from that mark. So please, please, please hit that like button, subscribe, and hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. Next year is going to be an amazing year for Real Take Sports. Let's get us over the top to 1,000. Let's keep this going. Let's keep on having fun. And let's make it bigger. I got some big ideas planned for 2022 in addition to real take sports talk in addition to real take wrestle talk in addition to some of the streams that i do we got we, we got some plans here we're gonna have uh hopefully online content coming up soon as far as uh, blogs and and um and articles and things of that nature are, gonna, are, are in the works i'm still working out the kinks as far as those go but we're gonna be doing that realtakesports.com is live and up not much going on there, but it is live and up, so you guys can check that out. And, of course, if you're feeling generous, you can always go to our Streamlabs link that is linked in the top of this chat and 
uh, donate whatever you can, if you can, and only if you can. Let's go to the chat real quick where people uh, have said things. Um, Big Ticket in the chat says, could Aaron Rodgers make it any more obvious that he voted for Trump? Um, It's weird, right? Because... I mean, and he said that he he's not political, right? Which I I mean, I'm inclined. I I I could see it. I could see Aaron Rodgers not being political and just making those points. But, um, but it's also weird because his wife, um, uh, Shailene Woodley, Shailene Woodley, I believe is her name. Yeah, Shailene Woodley. His wife is like the biggest Bernie bro ever. Like absolutely biggest, and she she does a lot of great work with our revolution and. And a lot of different organizations and stuff. So it's, it's a weird, weird, interesting dynamic, I want to say. Interesting. Not weird, because you love who you love. I'm not going to hate on that. You love who you love. But interesting dynamic there. Um, Liam congratulating Cincy on becoming a mod, which, Cincy, you already took a few victory laps. No more no more applause for you, Cincy. Um, Cincy says Aaron Rodgers is weird sometimes. He is, isn't he? He is. Uh, Cincy also says uh, that... If only I got the damn notification. I got to fix my YouTube notifications. Hey, man, I, I will. L- let me see if I can do something about that. Uh, Liam says, yeah, I heard. Some guy on WrestleTalk wanted him to give away a PS5. Yeah, and that was Ryan Woodridge, one of, another one of the, uh, the Real Take Elite, or part of the Real Take Elite Club, which, we're, which I don't even know if that coined that. But, yeah, he wanted me to give away a PS5. I'm like, dude. I gotta have money buy myself a PS5 first, and then I can, then I can worry about giving it away. Like, like it's gonna be, it's gonna be hard for me to give away a PS5. But like, like especially, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty like 16 subs. No, I mean, like maybe if I, if I need to get over the hump to like 10k or 5k or something, maybe by then, hopefully, hopefully we're big enough to to give away a PS5. But we'll see about that. Um, let's stick, let's keep it with sports. And let's keep on going. And oh, of course, uh, I, I can't get away from from talking about sports things that don't have anything to do with on field play. I got to keep on going. Uh, Cole Beasley was in the news. Everyone's favorite uh, uh, Buffalo Bill, by the way, big tick in the chat says that's big journalism right there. Um, I, I do not I do not claim nor have I ever claimed to be a journalist. I am just a casual shit talker on youtube and twitter sometimes follow me at omer q show on twitter o-m-e-r-q show <laughs> let's move on everyone and talk about the buffalo bills most notably let's talk about cole beasley so cole beasley is in the pandemic protocol and he is not happy about it he said this when asked about it quote just to be clear COVID is not keeping me out of this game the rules are Beasley went on to state that vax players are playing with COVID every week now because they don't test. One of my vax teammates is in the hospital missing games. I'm sure he didn't get this same energy. Thank you for those who support everyone else. If you don't get what's happening, then there's nothing anybody can do for you. Cole Beasley, of course, has been a uh, pretty one of the first like big names that really came out against the NFL's protocol and the way that it was laid out because it almost in the idea of Cole Beasley and Aaron Rodgers and others, it almost forced players to get vaccinated and and whatnot. Um, and Cole Beasley is obviously not happy. Cole Beasley is not happy. He was very unhappy in, to begin the season. Remember, he he wrote a diss track about COVID. Of a, sorry, he wrote a diss track about COVID and the vaccine, which, if you haven't listened to it, it's one of the weirdest things ever. 
But all that aside, he comes back and he says this. And the question now becomes, you know, what do we think of his assertion that Vax players are playing with COVID? Um, I, I mean, it's it's true to an extent. That are there players who are vaccinated? Are there players in general who have COVID or, and could probably play? Yeah, it's possible because you have things like false negatives. You have things like uh, the disease being undetectable up until a certain point. You have things like the disease not being around in your body to the point where it can spread to the point where we can detect it. Uh, until it's there, until it's developed at that point. So those are things that happen. And I didn't hear Cole Beasley say any of that. He kind of just said what he wanted to say to, you know, control his own narrative, as as EC3 would say. But he said that. And all I can say to that is Cole Beasley sounds a little sour, and I get why. You know, he had the option to, you know, get the shot and you know, be able to eventually, I think the rule in the NFL is if you test negative uh, before a game and you've been vaccinated and even if you test positive before, you are going to be able to play. But now he's going to be out for 10 days. He's going to miss games. He's going to miss a, a crucial game that could decide the playoff implications for the Buffalo Bills, who are now a wild card team, who they need some help to even get a wild card. They need help to even get into that wild card position because uh, it, it's it, like they would need the Patriots to lose a few games and then to win out in order for the Bills to take the division. And the AFC wildcard we know is is just absolutely loaded. There's so many great teams in the AFC. So I get why he's mad because he feel and, and it's one of those things where he feels like the rules are letting his team down when. You know, you could make the argument that he's letting his team down. You could make the argument that uh, of a lot of things, but I think that there have been a lot of players who've gone on record and said that at the end of the day, it is a personal choice, but it's also to an extent a choice of how how much are you willing to sacrifice your own beliefs for the sake of the team? And I think we're finding that out with a lot of players. We're finding that out in the NBA as well. Uh, Andrew Wiggins was someone who was who was very hesitant about getting the shot, and then he ended up getting it. And, you know, that was a situation where, you know, he probably would not have been able to play in at home games, much like we're just seeing with Kyrie Irving, by the way. We'll talk about Kyrie Irving later. But but he was able to put his, put those to the side for the sake of the team. And I'm not saying Cole, that's what Cole Beasley should have done. I'm not saying that's what he should do. I'm not saying that's what anyone should do. No one should feel – no one should do anything they don't want to do. That that's the that's the thing I've always been very clear about this. You should if you don't want to do something that's fine, but given the current state of things and how they are, don't be mad if that leads to you having to deal with things down the line. Don't be mad if that if that if that has to do with you ex being excluded from things because uh, logically and according to science. You are a likely reason if you get COVID, if you're exposed to COVID, you are going to, you are more, you're going to be more exposed to it, I should say. And you're also going to help spread it. That's just the truth. And that's not saying, I know there's going to be so many people who are going to take that out of context. Like, oh, he said unvaccinated people can't spread COVID. Of course they can. Of course they can. But 
the overall symptoms, the overall uh, uh, hospitalization rate and all that is going to be lower for if you're vaccinated and you're going to be able to deal with it better both in and on and off the field. So you, I, it would be easy for me to push my own beliefs as people want to say, oh, my God, absolutely, lo- absolutely love to people absolutely love to do that. Like, no, I'm not pushing my own beliefs on Cole Beasley. He can do what he wants. One thing I will push my own beliefs on is he should never, ever, ever release another rap album, another rap track. I don't care. I don't care whether it's about COVID. I don't care whether it's about the team. I don't care whether it's about fucking like tennis balls. No. Cole Beasley should never rap. That that track was trash. It was a diss trash. You were trash on that track, my G. You were not good. It's absolutely horrible. This guy thinks, like, no, you made Le'Veon Bell sound like a real rapper. Do you know what that means? (laughs) Like, come on, dude. Cole Beasley, really great player. I want to really get that home. Cole Beasley is a great player. Uh, wide receiver. I, I think he's like one of the most underrated wide receivers in the NFL as for the routes he can run and what he can do for your team. He's just not a good rapper. It is like, it's bad. It's like, I would go listen to it. Go listen to that COVID diss track he released, but it was so bad, people. It was so bad. Again, if you haven't already, hit that like button, subscribe, and hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. We got some comments some questions in the chat uh since he edits in the chat says i don't think it's it's you to be honest i gotta change my notification settings oh yeah since you do gotta change your notification settings um yeah and and, yeah sorry real take sport real take sports talk has been in a bit of a flux recently because of because of uh of my own schedule and things like that and you know, we, we've luckily been able to keep Real Take Wrestle Talk mostly on Tuesday. Actually, every week we've done it on Tuesdays. But Real Take Sports Talk has been in a little bit of flux, especially this week was was going to be a weird week. So we'll see what happens there. Um, I'm going to try to hammer it down to one week. Liam says, I think we need Real Take Sports All-Stars. Real Take All-Stars. Just shorten it down. Real Take All-Stars. Uh, since he in the chat says, yeah, something like that. Man dissed COVID. Of course he did. That's what Cole Beasley does. 202 Degrees says, I know this is unrelated, but can we give Umar props on his prediction on Kyle O'Reilly? See, here's the thing. You could give me props, right? But, I mean, the writing was on the wall. I feel like I feel like anyone who had who had just kind of like, like looked at the news and looked at like where things were going and where like you know like Adam Cole and 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 the young bucks were going with that they would they like, I feel like you could have seen it you know I mean and then and like you know it, it's it was great though it was great I, I loved it absolutely great we'll talk more about it on real take wrestle talk on Tuesday um although that might be in flux on Tuesday we'll talk about that later um 202 degrees in the chat says Cole Beasley should oh should of should have been KO should have knocked out oh should have been should have been knocked out Cole Beasley should have been knocked out by Jake Paul at this point let's get him next uh, next bedtime treatment like Woodley oh that was yeah that was bad we had I actually released a video on that earlier today guys it's in the archives check that out hit that like button subscribe and hit that notification bell uh <laughs> oh since he says Le'Veon got beef with Tyron Woodley Le- didn't Le'Veon called out Jake Paul and then Jake Paul said man I'll knock you out faster than the Ravens you got cut by the Ravens I was like oh ouch 
Ouch, my G. Ouch, ouch, ouch. Uh, is it people are pew, 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 shooting from the hip this week. Um, and you know who's really shooting from the hip this week? A lot of Mets fans on Twitter. Mets fans have been absolutely relentless since <laughs> since this offseason began. Uh, and you know it's been for fairly good reasons. They've gotten a lot of, they've gotten a lot of really key pieces. They've done a lot of great things. So uh, let me take a sip and let's talk about it. <sighs> Always parched right when I do a show. Anyway, so the New York baseball Mets added to their unprecedented offseason. An absolutely unprecedented offseason. Unprecedented? No, unprecedented. The New York foot, New York football. Nope. Take three, baby. I don't even care. This is live YouTube, pal. I'm going to keep going. Uh, the New York baseball Mets added to their unprecedented offseason by adding former New York Yankees, Tex, uh, Texas Rangers, and Baltimore Orioles manager Buck Showalter. Buck Showalter now age 65 spoke for nearly an hour this past Tuesday, and it was clear that he had plenty of insight and ideas about how to run the team, and it's been a breath of fresh air to Mets fans everywhere. Of course, they had the big signing of Max Scherzer as their starting pitcher. There's a lot of things to be excited about. They made a bunch of trades at the end of last season to make a push for the playoffs. Didn't materialize, obviously, in the way that people wanted but Buck Showalter is a big get for the Mets. He's managed over thirty or 3,000 baseball games in the major leagues. We, we talked about it before. The Yankees, the Diamondbacks, the Rangers, the Orioles, three-time manager of the year. This dude has done a lot of things. He's done it all almost, but he hasn't won a World Series. Could he br bring it to uh, New York? Could he bring it to the New York Mets? W wouldn't that be a little bit of uh, irony? Uh, we'll see about that, but... You know, Showalter is joining a franchise that had its share of turnover, losing problems in recent years, and he wants to bring in a new era. And part of this new era is, of course, the offseason that they've had. They, they The Mets now have the richest majority owner in pro sports, Stephen Cohen. They have a new general manager. They have $255 million spent in the offseason on Max Scherzer, uh, Eduardo Escobar and 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 many many more people <laughs> that they have signed. They got the highest payroll in the league. They are on the way up, and all of this comes with the expectations that they want to compete for a World Series title. And it comes with the expectations from both oh the owner Cohen. It it comes from the expectations from the fans. I can tell you, Johnny and Andrew really have high expectations for this baseball team, and deservedly so. You got one of the best managers of a generation. You've got generational talent and people like Scherzer. You've got a, a really good roster already there. You've got the bank with, uh, I believe, a lot of Mets fans like to refer to him as uh, as Daddy Cohen. Uh, the, you got that. You got Uncle Steve there. You got a lot of good things about this franchise, and you're in a division. With, trust me, I know a little something about this division. You're in a division in the NL East that has the Nats that are in a complete rebuild at this point that has the Phillies that perennially disappoint their fans every year, they ha and which also boasts, I believe, one of the highest payrolls in the MLB, and they have not been able to do a lot with that in recent years. You also have the Braves, who made a run last year, but it was also a run of, was it because they were really talented in the long term, or was it just a one-year type of fluke thing? We'll see. The Mets are in a position right now over the next three years, 
to definitely be in contention for a World Series championship. And that's not something I say lightly. I'm a, I'm a Nats fan. It's, it's not a, a great thing for me to say. The only thing that's going to get in their way is the same thing that's gotten in their way for the past, what's it been now, 35 years? And that is themselves. The New York Mets are always their own worst enemy. That has been their MO over the past 35 years. And many say it's likely to continue in that way. And even Mets fans, if you ask them, you know, off the record or whatever, they'll tell you the same things. Like, if at this point, if we don't win, I don't know what's going to happen. That's why I've heard Mets fans say, some of my friends say, they are the expectations in New York for the Mets are World Series or bust over the next few years. Because you, because you kind of basically bought in over this next, like, three, four years, maybe four years span of we need to compete. That puts a lot of pressure on your team. That puts a lot of pressure on your ownership group. That puts a lot of pressure on this guy, Buck Showalter, who he's been there. He's done that, but he's never won a World Series. That's always been the thing. He's brought success everywhere he's been, but then at the end of almost every tenure he's had, and Buck Showalter, almost every tenure he's at, it's been a little spotty. It's been a little weird of an ending. And it and look, it ends for a reason, right? At the end of the day, you have to show that you can have long-term success. And Buck Showalter can show one thing that I think will help him as the Mets manager. He has shown a propensity to come in, change the culture a bit, and make the team better. Now, 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 did his more recent run in in Baltimore show that? Yes, obviously. I think he Buck Schultz probably had his best run, I think, as a manager when he was in Baltimore, considering what he took over, when he took it over, and how bad the team was in the years preceding that. I think it could mirror a situation with the Mets. And, in fact, the Mets, I think, are set up for more success because they have an ownership group that wants to spend more money, if they can. They have And they have the team to do it. They brought in a guy who's been there, done that, won a World Series, and Max Scherzer with the uh, Washington Nationals. So he's got a lot of tools to work with, but he ha- he needs to make sure that his tenure is more like the one he had in Baltimore. He needs to make sure that the tenure, his tenure here, is more like the one that he had. You know, maybe to- towards the end of his time in the uh, in the in the uh, the Yankees. But he can't repeat what he did with the Diamondbacks or the Texans or the Texans. No, the Rangers. I'm getting all this mixed up. <laughs> but he can't repeat what he did with the Rangers because that was just four years of basic mediocrity. That was his most unsuccessful run. And, you know, he's not he's not a spring chicken. 65 years old is, is not a spring chicken. But I think he's got enough tools to work with that he can make it work. Can they win a World Series? That is the big question that we're going to be asking ourselves for the next two, three years. Can this team win a World Series? Because they've done everything they can, I think, the most they can to put the team in place that can win. It is going to be a tough road for the New York Mets because, again, I do think it's weird. There's something in the air in in New York that the way it affects the Mets, the players, the the drama that surrounds it. There's always something. There's always something. No Mets fans don't want to hear that. There's always something. If they can keep all that bottled up, keep that quiet, and just play baseball, 
I think they're going to be fine. They can't do stuff like this when they released a statement about a player booing the fans. They can't do stuff like that. Buck won't. That's too much of a weird distraction. It's too much. Uh, it, like that. That's too much. You know, playing to your audience. Just play the damn game and win. That's something the Mets have not done for a very long time. I know they had that really good run in 2015, I think it was. But since then, what have you done? Before then, what did you do? Not much. Win. Play the game. And let's go from there. The formula is easy for the Mets. Use the tools you got. You, you got, the I think, the right guy given the time in Buck Showalter. Now it's just up to all of it coming together and and... A lot of it is going to ride on the shoulders of Buck Walter. If he cannot get this thing to work in the way that it's been constructed right now, I don't know who will. I genuinely don't know who will, and I don't know what you do if you're the Mets. Like, you, yeah, at that point, you just, I don't know. <laughs> like, genuinely, you got to, at that point, you might need to change the name, change the team, do a lot of other things. Because if if, if this Mets team doesn't win, I, I just, or doesn't even, like, get to the World Series. I know they got to the World Series in 2015. They don't even get to the World Series this year or, or in the next few years. It's going to be bad. It's going to be bad. And Mets fans are just going to complain. And you're going to hear Johnny and Andrew come on here and just complain, which, hey, I'm here for it. At least my team won. With Max Scherzer. Let's see if yours can. Hit that like button, subscribe, and hit that notification bell if you haven't already. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please, please, please hit that follow button and leave a five-star review. Also, remember, we are still 16 subscribers away from 1,000. If we get to 1,000, I will be reading How the Grinch Stole Christmas live on the air here on YouTube on Christmas Day. So let's get to that. 16 subs. That's nothing. We'll also get the stream tonight, which will hopefully help out and maybe get us over the edge. I'm, I'm hoping it'll get us over the edge. Um, Go to the chat real quick. Uh, since he says Mets on God mode, absolutely they are. They are on full on God mode. They are on the, they're on God mode as much as the, the uh, Los Angeles Rams are. Like the Rams just said, nope, we are winning. We're going to try to win at least, which... Hey, they're trying. You can't say they're not trying. The, 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 the Rams are trying. Since he also says the Reds are depressing. Well, you heard what Joe Burrow said, right? Joe Burrow basically said that there's nothing to do in Cincy, and that's helped them out because... The, because they haven't had too many cases of COVID, and no one's there's no outbreak on the team. Joe Burrow basically just said, "Yeah, there's not much to do around here, so you know we're we're we're, we're chilling at home. No one's going out. It's great. No one's getting COVID. We're still playing our games." I'm just like, "Oh my god!" I love how he had to trash his city. <laughs> he had to trash the city just to make a point about good they're they're doing. You could have just not said that. You could have just been like, "Yeah, you know, everyone's just kind of staying indoors, chilling. We're not going out to." like restaurants or anything like that. We're just chilling at home or whatever. But no, he's just like, yeah, there's really not much to do around Cincy, is there? <laughs> oh, oh, and Cincy, I'm sure you can attest to that. I don't know. I've never been to Cincy, so. But I assume there's not really much to do around the city. Guys, keep those questions coming. And let's keep moving on and talk about the Baltimore Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens, I should say. Baltimore. No, the Baltimore Ravens. So, 
John Harbaugh has had the ire of Ravens fans, the media, and many people for his decision-making in two of the last three losses of the Baltimore Ravens. A lot of people are questioning the way John Harbaugh has decided to go for it at end of at the end of games. The Ravens were 8-3, and three, and now they've lost two of their last three games after unsuccessfully going for two at the end of those games. That is against the Steelers, and it was this past week against the Green Bay Packers. So there's a lot of people that are questioning John Harbaugh's decision. They're saying he's relying too much on analytics, which John Harbaugh has has put an emphasis on making sure analytics and, and that analytical approach is there in the building because it wasn't there for a long time. But to say that he solely relies on analytics is just untrue because it ignores the reality of what's going on. And the reality is John Harbaugh is one of the biggest players coaches out there. Not a lot of people talk about him. Not a lot of people uh, really mention him when we're talking about great coaches. But John Harbaugh is a great coach. Won a Super Bowl in the playoffs. Like, just countless amount of playoff wins. Uh, I believe he has a, a, a record for the amount of playoff wins for a coach in his first five years in the league. Like, like he, he's been a great coach. He's adapted. He's a special teams coordinator. He has a well-rounded um, understanding of both offense and defense which makes him even better because he can relate to both. So as far as, you know, saying that, oh, he's he's a bad coach, I don't agree with a lot of that sentiment. I also don't agree with the fact that people are saying that these decisions for going for it for two are wrong. In the Steelers game, the context, I think, is totally missed by a lot of people. The, the Ravens had injured two of their cornerbacks in that game who were not going to return. One of them, Marlon Humphrey, their best cornerback of the entire on the entire team, the best cornerback on the entire team, went out for the season basically on the last drive before the Ravens went down and tied it or would have tied it. And basically they didn't have they didn't have a secondary to play with. So you were risking the you were risking your defense which had already been suspect up until then, definitely letting the other team score and instead he decided let's go for two. Let's win it right here. If we can't win it right here, maybe we don't deserve to win. And if we can't assert our dominance, or and if we if we don't go for it here, then people are going to think we're weak. We're not. We want to prove. One thing he proved in that Steelers loss was we're not afraid of anyone. Win, lose, or draw, we're not afraid. And I think that's understood by many people around the NFL. The Ravens are not a team that's going to be afraid and get walked over. They're gonna they're gonna pull punches as the entire time. They're gonna keep on punching until they're knocked down. And that's what they did. They went for it. They had a chance. It didn't materialize. You move on to the Packers loss. And if you guys check out the the audio from there, there it's all over online. John Harbaugh went around to Tyler Huntley at the end of that Packers game and said, if we score a touchdown, do you want to go for it? Or you want to kick the field goal, go in overtime? Huntley said, let's go for it. We're going to win. Mark Andrews repeatedly went over to John Harbaugh and said, we're going for it. That's what we do. We're going for it, and and it was almost like like Mark Andrews was basically like the team wants us to go for it. We're in the we're in the mood. We're in the zone. Let's go for it. On the other side, you have Aaron Rodgers. You 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 don't you, the team's been getting decimated by Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers. So in overtime, if Aaron Rodgers gets it, the game's over. Not going to stop Aaron Rodgers. So, I, th- I I think that it was the right decision in both instances. Because, again, it, it reiterates this idea that the Ravens are scared of no one. And, yeah, you're going to lose sometimes like that. And I, they are fine with that because they are a team that lives by the sword. And when you live by the sword, sometimes you die by it too. They understand that. 
And it's not going to weaken their resolve. It's not. It adds a few losses to the win-loss column, but this is a team that's dealing with nearly 20 players on IR. It's a team that was dealing with their entire backfield days before the regular season started being completely decimated. This is a team that it has somehow, some way, three weeks ago, was 8-3 and three and leading the conference even with all of those injuries. They're not scared of anyone. And these decisions to go for two prove it. And eventually, I'm telling you, they're going to get they're going to go for two in one of these games and get it. And it's going to matter in one of the biggest moments they might end up doing in a playoff game. And it's going to matter. So all this talk about John Harbaugh, again, John Harbaugh being a bad coach, all that stuff. If the Ravens win out, John Harbaugh's coach of the year. I'm sorry. I don't care if 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 Matt LaFleur and the Packers win out and go what is it 13 and and 4 whatever it is or 12 or or 14 and 3. I don't care if one of these other teams like the Patriots or the Chiefs go 13 and 4. John Harbaugh wins out goes 11 and 6. They're, he's coach of the year. The amount of injuries, the amount of week to week just just upheaval of this football team and the ability to keep it all together and make the playoffs and have a record like that would make him coach of the year. Absolutely, absolutely. Keep those questions coming since he edits in the chat. Uh, in response to Joe Burrow's bashing, complete and utter bashing of the the city of, of Cincinnati, he says he's an Ohio boy. We're fine with it. <laughs> We're cool with it. Um, I mean, he is an Ohio boy. He is an Ohio boy. But there's nothing to do in that damn city, Cincinnati. I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. Hit that like button, subscribe, and hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. Let's keep it going and talk. Keep it going with the NFL and talk about the Nalin. As I'm, I was told some people say it like that. I don't even know if I'm allowed to say it like that. The New Orleans Nalins. It's Nalins. Narlins, baby. The Narlins Saints. Oof. <coughs> Ooh. See, okay, maybe I shouldn't say it like that. See, I coughed. That was a very, that was a very good sign from God that I should be saying New Orleans. Anyway, so Ian Book, the rookie out of Notre Dame, could be starting for the New Orleans Saints after top two quarterbacks Taysom Hill and Trevor Simeon were both put into the COVID protocol on Thursday. And if they're unable to return by Monday night's game against the Dolphins, we could see Ian Book, the former Notre Dame standout, make his NFL debut in that game. And the quarterback carousel, basically, for the New Orleans Saints continues. First, it was a battle between Taysom Hill and uh, Jameis Winston. Winston won that. He started for half the season, got injured. Simeon came in, didn't do too well. Now, Taysom Hill was a starter, and now we are hit with this. And we saw a very similar thing happen with, with Nick Mullins becoming the starter over in Cleveland because of the same thing. Top two quarterbacks went out in the protocol. So, and Ian Book is going to come in. He was with the team in the preseason. He, I remember watching a preseason game he had against uh, my Baltimore Ravens where he, he played fairly well. I mean, like, like, there were some things that you could tell he needed to clean up, but he played fairly well, I thought. Uh, and he's a guy who, in his third year coming out of college, had a lot of hype about him. He had, I believe, something around, like, 35 touchdowns, six picks. He he was, like, in that Heisman race. 
and people were very high on him, and a lot of people were saying that maybe he should have come out in his third year, and then his next year happens, and it, he, people say he had a down year. I think he had an efficient year, but they were playing less games, and it was the way the year worked, and you know, it, it was it was a few things that led into the way things went. He also ran the ball. I feel like uh, more. Or, or, or slightly more. He relied on that more in his senior year for some reason. But either way, he had a little bit of a down year statistically, and that led to him being kind of overlooked, I think, in the draft. He ended up falling to the fourth round. And there's a lot of people who still think that he has great potential. And I agree. I think Ian Book has a lot of potential as a quarterback. And I think... The, the fact that he has the ability to kind of make people miss a little bit, and it's not like Taysom Hill level of ability. Like, that's rare athletic uh, uh, fortitude. That's rare athletic. That's, an, that's a rare athletic gift, I should say. But this is a dude who ran for over 1,500 yards in college. He, he, he ran for almost 20 touchdowns as well. He's a guy who can come in there, and if the play breaks down, he can save it. He can definitely save it. He can't do it as regular regularly as someone like Taysom Hill could, but I think Ian Book provides the same a same level of spark in that way. And he also will, I think, be a very efficient passer of the football. Which I which is what Sean Payton's looking for. Sean Payton, I think the reason that he is I don't want to even say soured, the reason that he has kind of gone away or he went away for a while from Taysom Hill, why Trevor Simeon uh, was the starter over him, why James Winston won the starting job is because while he loves Taysom Hill as a person, he loves the athletic speed and, and what Taysom Hill brings, he wants a quarterback who's going to go in there and run his offense. Sean Payton's offense isn't really one of, you know, let's do a lot of read options, let's get the quarterback, you know, moving and 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 run these draws with the quarterback. No, Sean Payton's a guy who wants his quarterback to stand in there, deliver the ball quickly, and d- deliver the ball downfield. That's what he does. Ian Book could do that. And if he needs more time, he can use his legs to extend plays. And if the play breaks down, you have that out. But the thing with Taysom Hill and Ian Book, the difference between the two is... Yes, Taysom Hill does rely on his legs more often, and that's not saying he's a bad quarterback. I actually think uh, Taysom Hill's a pretty good quarterback, and I think he can be a really, really good quarterback if he was on a team that relied on his strengths and 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 suited an offense to his strengths. Ian Book, I think, is like the perfect bridge between the two because he's not a statue back there, much like Drew Brees was. So you can do a little bit of some different things with him, and he won't and he won't need to rely on his legs. But if something happens, he can come in there and use those intangibles and, and, and get a win. He's also a winner. This is a guy who, he went he was at Notre Dame, right? He was at Notre Dame, and he won a lot as the starting quarterback at Notre Dame. Like, like, I think they won like 10 or 12 games every single year he was there. So he's a guy who's used to winning. He's someone who who knows what it takes, and he's been in a big program like Notre Dame. He was coached by Brian Kelly. He... He was at one time a very good prospect, a, a top ten, a top like five quarterback prospect. They, some were even saying a first round pick potentially. Those things have changed, but one thing that's not, I think, is the is what Ian Book can do if he's developed the right way. And there's no one better at this point to have as your mentor. There's no one better at this point to have 
teaching you the ropes of an NFL offense in Sean Payton. He's been doing this for a while, people, and he's been very good. He won a Super Bowl. He coached Drew Brees, and he made Jameis Winston look like an NFL starter again. So there's a lot of magic he can work, and I think if they're, they're patient with the in-book, they might have they might got themselves a quarterback here. They definitely might, but we'll find out on Monday. We'll find out what happens against the Dolphins. Guys, again, keep those questions and those chat coming. Keep those statements in the chat, I should say, coming. Hit that like button, subscribe, and hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. Let's keep it going and talk about the NBA very quickly because we had some absolutely big news from the NBA last week that we did not get to cover, and that had to do with one Kyrie Irving. So let's get to that. Guys, again, hit that like button, subscribe, hit that notification bell. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please go over to youtube.com forward slash Real Take Sports and subscribe so you never miss a live episode or you can watch the video version there. YouTube.com forward slash Real Take Sports and hit that follow button and all that jazz that I said before. I don't know. There's a bunch of links also in the description of this episode. Check those out whenever you get a chance. But, Ooh, this is a big one, wasn't it? Kyrie Irving is back uh, on some on some cam shit. I'm back. I'm back. Although Kyrie didn't do that. Um. Anyway, so Kyrie Irving is back with the Nets, kind of. Let me explain. Um. So basically, Kyrie Irving and the Met and the Mets. Oh, could you imagine that? The, the <laughs> oh my god, the Mets. Hey, I mean. It's an outdoor stadium. He might, he might be able to play baseball. Anyway, but Kyrie Irving and the Brooklyn Nets have come to an agreement that would allow Kyrie Irving to play away games since he's not able to play home games because he has not gotten the shot. So he's going to be playing away games the rest of the season. He's not going to be able to play away games in Toronto, um, I believe Golden State, and um, in New York, so the Knicks, those games against the Knicks, he's just not going to be able to play any of those. Um, that's going to continue into the playoffs, if it, um, considering the Nets look like they're going to make the playoffs. So Kyrie Irving is back, kind of, and he's on this kind of part-time schedule. He's not even going to be playing half the games that are left because of uh, the, 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 the way things work out. And they're going to have him at least for a chunk of games this year. And there's a lot of people who are like, well, you know, is it going to help with team chemistry? Is it going to help them maintain what they have? What's going on here? What's this going to look like? And the reality is we don't know. We don't know what this is really going to look like because, one, we haven't seen Kyrie Irving play all year. And, you know, teams generally need about, a, I would say, three weeks to begin in the beginning of the year. That's why no one really takes that first stint seriously to kind of like just get acclimated to playing as consistently as they do in the NBA and and just start the season so I would say give it like about uh, you would I would say give it about three weeks but then Kyrie Irving's also not playing home games so that might add to it so that that might be one of the first big issues you you'll see come up is you know and, and this is not saying Kyrie Irving's lost it or, or oh he's not practicing I don't know what he's doing but but I, what it is saying is it's going to take, I think, a little longer than it would to, to just get him back into the flow of things. And that's not just playing. It's it's the practices and it's everything goes along with that. So that might take a little bit. Um, but then afterwards, once the playoff rolls around, he's going to be back. And I think he's going to contribute. He's going to contribute. He's Kyrie Irving. He can play the game of basketball. All the crap that people give him, all the crap that I've even given him, 
it's it, that's not to say that he's not a really good to great basketball player. He is. The only question I have with him and the Nets in this instance is what is going to happen when Kyrie doesn't is not available obviously for a home game and you're in a spot where, you know, seating might be on the line or even bigger impact playoffs. When the playoff comes around, you're in a game 7 and you're at home and you're supposed to have a home field advantage, but you but you're actually at a disadvantage because your starting point guard who is an all-star, who is an all-pro, all-NBA guy is not available. The team is going to suffer and be less because of that. And I it's and it's not about saying oh it's someone's fault, it's all this and that. It's mostly about the way that this would work, and that's why I think a lot of people have problems because with with, with the way this is going and 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 the fact that he's on a kind of basically less than half schedule. You know, it, it's going to help them, I think, just in a lot of games that they might not be in. They might be able to load manage better now, um, which again that happens in the regular season. I'm not worried about the regular season. Again, my concerns are mostly with the the postseason. What's going to happen if you're playing the Bucks which in a, in a series that is almost certainly going to go at least six or seven games and Kyrie Irving isn't available and your team needs to be as competitive as possible? Is that something that might get Kyrie uh, a, a chance to, you know, get the shot? A lot of people are saying, oh, it's going to be he's going to get it by then. He's going to get it by then. I'm not too sure. Again, I don't know what's going. I don't know what Kyrie's thinking at all times. But if he hasn't done it now, there's no real reason for me to think that he'll do it uh, once that rolls around. So, I, and again, I'm not even concerned about that. It's just I've got concerns about the way that that the team is going to react to that situation, knowing that they kind of had Kyrie. And I'm sure everyone's going to say the right things, and I'm sure everyone's going to, for the most part, honestly, understand that that's the situation, that's what it is, and and we'd rather have him for those away games than not, which is fine. I just do think there's going to be not a sense of resentment, but a sense of just regret and of what could have been if the Nets end up losing in a crucial game, which it can happen. They 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 were in the playoffs last year against the Bucks, and what happened? They lost. And I'm not saying and it and it went and it went. Uh, I believe seven games. So you have a chance to redeem that. But if you're a top seed and you're gonna be and that seventh game is going to be at home and you are supposed to have home field advantage, it's going to be weird not having one of your best players, arguably your second or third best player on the team. It's going to be weird. It's going to change the dynamic. It's going to uh, minimize what you can do, both offensively and defensively on the court. So that's what I think he's going to... It's going to be weird. It's going to play out in front of our eyes, and it's going to be weird. That's what I think about this whole Kyrie Irving uh, situation. Guys, again, if you haven't already, hit that like button, subscribe. And hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. This hat I am wearing is very itchy, but I'm a, I'm a pull through with it. It's like the Dr. Seuss Christmas hat. Look how big it is. Boom. It's huge, baby. <laughs> um, guys, uh, I think we have one more topic here to go over. Uh, if you guys have any questions, final takes in the chat, be sure to put those in there. 
Remember to hit that like button, subscribe, and hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. So, let's move on, talk about the the final thing that's on tap, as, as many people love to say. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about the final thing that's really on tap here as I do 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 try to find something here. Hmm, oh, we'll do that. There we go. Boom, baby. Sorry about that. Anyway, so let's go over our week 16, baby. We're already at week 16. That is insane to me. Um, Week 16. Like, it's... And, it, and it's weird because we still have, like, three more games left and because it's a 17-game uh, season. Or, yeah, 17-game season, 18-week season, which is still trying to wrap my head around that. But uh, let's try to do that week by week and let's do... Th- this I don't I don't know what I'm saying I'm just going I'm going with the flow people anyway so we got a ton of games this week 16 let's go over and talk about every single game in week 16 starting with the San Francisco 49ers taking on the Tennessee Titans tonight on Thursday night football 8:20 p.m. I'll be doing a live stream for that so check that out so San Francisco is coming into this game and you know they've been playing well they're 8 and 6 they're trying to potentially get into that top uh NFC wildcard spot a win here would go a long way against the Tennessee Titans team that has been good throughout the season but has put up some duds and they put up some duds against some good defenses they put up some duds against some bad defenses this is a really good defense in the San Francisco 49ers it's a team that has shown the ability to stop the run. They've been shown the ability when healthy. They can run the hell out of football, of course. And Jimmy G's played very well at the latter stretch of this season. He's been efficient. He's been putting the ball exactly where it needs to be. I got the San Francisco 49ers because I think they're just on they're just on a little bit of a streak here. I, I said to everyone, the most dangerous team in the NFL for me was the 49ers when healthy. Because when healthy, they've got a really good defense. When healthy, they've got a great running game. When healthy, Jimmy G, with throwing to Debo Samuel and company, he could be as good as anyone in the league right now. Maybe sans Aaron Rodgers and and Pat Mahomes. And Lamar Jackson, obviously. But sans those three, he could be as good as anyone in the league. Because he's just got that intangible, the ability to deliver the ball accurately. And in a spot where the receiver can, only the receiver can catch the ball. Which it's a rare thing to see some as efficiently as he does it sometimes. So I got San Francisco in this one. I think the defense is just going to op this this Titans this depleted Titans offense. Honestly, Ryan Tannehill has had a down year um, due to the fact that he obviously hasn't had the best player, arguably in the NFL or one of the best players in the NFL, in Derrick Henry. So I got San Francisco in that one. Then on Christmas Day, we got our Christmas Day games. The Cleveland Browns in a must-win game against. Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers, 4.30 p.m. on on Christmas Day, Christmas night, whatever you want to say. Uh, here's one thing I will say. The Browns don't get this. If they don't win this game, they're not making the playoffs. Eight losses in the AFC is not getting you to the playoffs. I'm sorry. It's just not. that. There's too many good teams out there. The Packers, at this point, I think are too good offensively um, to, to, to really put up you know, like a dud, and a dud would for me would be 14 points or less against this Browns team, which has shown to to stop some really good passers, like they did Derek Carr. But when it mattered, they weren't able to. And when it matters, Aaron Rodgers is a guy that will not be denied. 
You got to have that same firepower, that same energy coming back to you. And I don't know if, like, let's say even Baker Mayfield plays. I don't know if they can do that with Baker Mayfield. I'm not sure if they can do that. Let's say Baker Mayfield doesn't play. I'm not sure if they can do that with Case Keenum. I'm not sure if they can. They might have efficiency, uh, but I'm definitely not sure if they can do that with Nick Mullins, even though Nick Mullins played a real, as good as you probably could in that spot. I, I just don't see it. Green Bay is going to win that game. You also got the Indianapolis Colts going to the Arizona Cardinals in a game where the Cardinals, if they lose, that means they have they have lost two in a row, including a big-time laughable loss to the Detroit Lions. It is going to be a tough one here for Indianapolis. Um, I know that they're coming off that big win in New England, against New England, I should say. I just am not sure about the their defense holding Kyler Murray and 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 the rest of this team, you know, to like uh, like like they did the Patriots. You're facing a different monster. Kyler Murray will make a play when the play needs to be made. He will make a play. Um, it's prime time. It's Christmas. I think the Cardinals get their win back. I think they're going to be fine here. Uh, Colts going to be eight and seven, still with a chance at the playoffs for sure. But I, that's what I got here. Also got the Detroit Lions taking on the Atlanta Falcons in Tank Bowl 101. I am going here with the Lions because why the hell not, man? DC, bro. Dan Campbell deserves to win out and and bring that energy going in the next year when this team wins the NFC North and goes to the playoffs. I'm going with the Detroit Lions. This is the Falcons. Who gives a hell anyway? Uh, next, we got the Rams and the Vikings. The Vikings holding on to an outside chance at the playoffs here at seven and seven. Although it's less than outside, seven and seven in the NFC still can get you there. Uh, you're gonna need a little bit of help, and it would also help for you to beat the Los Angeles Rams, who. Look like they're starting to put things together. They're getting a lot of their players back by the time this game rolls around, hopefully at least. They're going to be having a lot of their players back. It's going to be a totally different atmosphere than it was a few days ago. And a few days ago, they just beat. They they beat they beat up uh, the team they played. So I'm not sold on the Vikings. I've, I've been very clear about this. The defense is – I think the defense is fine uh, sometimes, but – Kirk Cousins will just not win in these clutch moments. This is a clutch moment, a game they need to win. Rams, I got this, and I got the Rams by like 21. Jaguars, Jets, another tank bowl. The Jaguars finally got rid of their their locker room uh, cancer, their locker room whatever, and Urban Meyer, he's gone. I'm going to take the Jags in this one. I think the Jags are finally going to get a win. I think Trevor Lawrence will play his best game against what is not really a good uh, Jets defense. So I got them in that. New York Giants taking on the Philadelphia Eagles in a game where the Eagles have a lot to play for and the Giants don't have much. The Giants are going to be probably, I think, going to Jake Fromm in this game. They shut down Daniel Jones for the year. We'll talk about Daniel Jones and what his future has to, uh, could what could be in store for his future in a, in a little bit. But I, I think that the the overwhelming voice in my head and, and and feeling in my gut says must win for the Eagles. The Giants are a team that have lacked just drive, lacked any semblance of 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 just the ability to play football for sixty minutes. I, I think it's it's open and shut. Plus the way that the Eagles lost to the Giants last time, Jalen Hurts is out to redeem himself. I got the Eagles in that one. 
Big-time matchup in the AFC East. The Buffalo Bills are going to be taking on the New England Patriots. New England 9-5. Buffalo 8-6. A chance here for Buffalo. If they win to elevate them, I believe, in a first place for the AFC East. So big-time AFC East implications on this matchup. Uh, last time we saw... What, what I, I still can't believe what I saw in that game where the Patriots ran the ball 40 times, threw the ball three times, and beat the Buffalo Bills. It happened, and we all witnessed it. So that's going to be an interesting thing to keep an eye on. I don't think that same game plan is going to be in store for the Buffalo Bills, and if it is, they're going to be ready for it. I'm going to go here with the New England Patriots, though. After that loss, the, there's no one who comes back and regroups after a loss like Bill Belichick does. And I know it's against a Bills team right now that is trending upwards, people think. But no, nah, I got the—I got the—you can't. I have to trust Bill. I have to trust Bill. Next, we have a matchup with AFC North implications. Baltimore Ravens against the Cincinnati Bengals with first place in the AFC North on the line. Both teams 8-6. and six. Baltimore has a chance to control their own destiny. If Baltimore wins out, they are the kings of the North. If Cincinnati wins out, same thing. They're the kings of the North. But it all really depends on this game. A lot of it at least depends on this game. Baltimore needs to win this game if they want to increase the likelihood of them making the playoffs. This is a must-win for Baltimore. An absolutely must-win. They because if they lose this game, they're at the bottom of the wild card picture, and they they will have lost four divisional games. They cannot. They have to. Baltimore, first of all, has to win out, and on top of that, they cannot afford to lose. They can afford to lose. They can. The only game they can even kind of afford to lose moving forward is that game against the Rams. They can't afford to lose against the uh, Bengals, and they can't afford to lose that that other divisional game they have left against the Steelers in Week 18. They have to at least have a 500 divisional record, and they also have to keep pace with the Bengals. This is how you do it. Assert your dominance, Baltimore. I know you're dealing with a lot of injuries. I know you're dealing with a lot of influx as far as COVID and everything goes, but you got Lamar Jackson. You got the bet one of the best tight ends in the league in Mark Andrews. You have a defense that is stout in big moments. Make it happen. Baltimore wins this game by the skin of their teeth. Chargers, Texans, Chargers, moving on. <laughs> Bucks, Panthers, Bucks, moving on. <laughs> Chicago Bears and Seattle Seahawks. Uh, while Matt Nagy is still head coach, I don't think the Bears are going to win another game. Uh, Seattle, of course, is going to just inflate their their tank stock. I don't even think doesn't Seattle didn't Seattle trade away their first round pick? I'm pretty sure they did. I don't know. I feel like they did. Or that might have been another team. Either way, Seattle's going to win this game um, and increase some and, and and actually hurt someone's tank stock. But see, I got Seattle in that one. Broncos Raiders, pivotal game for the Denver Broncos, who might be without starting quarterback Teddy Bridgewater. Um, and they might have to turn to Drew Locke after Bridgewater went to COVID pro, or not COVID concussion protocol, I should say. Um, and both teams are seven and seven. The the Raiders are they again won a game off the Skinner, their teeth in Cleveland uh, this past week on Monday afternoon football. Denver has a lot of things to like about them. This is a game for the wild card, I think. I think this is a game that has not only wild card implications, but the team that loses this is out of the playoff hunt. Again, eight games not going to get you into the playoffs, I think, in the AFC. Team that wins, I think, almost, punch, almost punches their ticket into the wild card. I, I truly believe that because I think both these teams 
are are kind of momentum driven in that way. So I'm gonna go with that. Uh, but even without Teddy, that Denver Broncos defense is very good, and I think Drew Locke, you could potentially, you could, if he finds that that magic that he had in the end of his rookie season, when he just was throwing and slinging it downfield, I think they got a chance here. So I'm going with the Denver Broncos to improve to eight and seven here. Last few games, we got Sunday at 425, big-time matchup. Uh, Tony Romo and Jim Nance, of course, will be on call for the Pittsburgh Steelers against the Kansas City Chiefs. And this is where it happens. This is where Big Ben comes down to earth. Steelers are going to go 7-7-1 and and somehow still be in the playoffs uh, picture, but I don't think they're going to... I think it's going to be tough for them to win this game. Chiefs are just trending upward in every direction. Their defense gets better and better and better and better and better and better every week, uh, which is a lot... lot, There was a uh, very uh, low bar from the beginning, but I got them winning this. Uh, I got Chiefs winning that one. Sunday Night Football, the Washington football team against the Dallas Cowboys. Washington, 6-8. and eight, Not dead in the playoff hunt by any means in the NFC, but needs to win out against a team in the Dallas Cowboys that has been honestly asserting them themselves as one of the classes of the entire conference. The Cowboys this year have been very good. Very, very good. I know a lot of people don't want to hear it. I don't want to say it, but they've been very good. Hope here's the hope, and we're back. Anyway, I'm just gonna I'm I'm gonna go with the the idea that we're back. But um, but yeah, they've been leading the NFL in takeaways. Uh, Dak Prescott has been playing very well. Un, you know, he he has not been trash Prescott this year. Uh, Ezekiel has been running fine. Pollard, of course, has been in relief of Elliott a few times and done very well. It's gonna be too much for Washington. I think they're not gonna be able to deal with it. I, I like. Uh, Taylor Heineke and, and and his story and everything, but I think it comes to an end as far as the Washington football team making the playoffs. They're going to be eliminated after the Cowboys beat the snot out of them on Sunday Night Football. And finally, in what could be Ian Book's debut against the Miami Dolphins on Monday Night Football, the Saints will host those Miami Dolphins to a tag of Iloa, not Tunga Iloa. All you all you expert uh, analysts out there who call them Tungavailoa, there's no N in his name. It's Tagavailoa, uh, who has been playing well. Miami, the hottest team in the NFL, won six in a row. Can they make it seven and get to above 500? Would have been a historic climb. They started the season one and and what was it one and six, and then they won six in a row. Absolutely crazy. Ian Book, I'm going with Ian Book in the Saints though because I think Ian Book is the future of the uh, New Orleans Saints. I think these are two very evenly matched teams. It's going to be a low-scoring game, but I'm going with Ian Book, baby. Or as Andrew would call him, Ian. Big balls, bro. Book, I don't know. He, I'll let him speak for himself, uh, which, again, a decent show on FS1. Anyway, HMO Podcast is here. Welcome, HMO Podcast. Also, Ravens Flock is here, telling everyone to uh, hit that like button, subscribe, and hit that notification bell. By the way, we are, again, just 16 subscribers away. Hit that subscribe button. If we do, if we get to 1,000 before Christmas Day, I will read How the Grinch Stole Christmas live on the air on Christmas dressed as Santa Claus. So let's make it happen, people. Let's make your dreams come true. Let's get me one. Let's make my dreams come true first (laughs) to get me to 1,000. And then let's make your dreams come true. And let me read you guys a story on Christmas Day. 
You love to see it. Um, HMO says, hope you're doing well. Hope you guys are doing well as well. You know, it's, it, it's a pandemic. It's a it's flu season. A lot of bad things going on. I hope everyone's doing well. If you're sick, get better. If you're feeling down, get tested. It, you know, and just and just take it easy. Worst case scenario, take it easy. Enjoy the days off. Enjoy the holiday. Watch a feel good movie. Uh, here we go. HMO podcast says never trusted the Cardinals this season. They remind me of last year's Steelers. I think the Cardinals are actually. I, I, they're better than last year's Steelers. Steelers are like per- perennially that team that gets worse throughout the year. But yeah, I I I, I think the Cardinals are going to be fine in this next game. HMO also says Drew Locke's best highlight is jamming to G's. Hey, hey, hey. His rookie year. Go go watch the tape from his rookie year. Drew Locke was really good. That's the reason why a lot of people were high on him. He looked really good as a rookie. And... Like not just good, like oh, good for a rookie. You look good, like like you look like he was going to be in in that in, in that conversation. I think like part of it is the fact that they brought in Vic Fangio, who I thought was always the wrong coach for that team. The strength of that team was defense. You should have brought in an offensive-minded guy who would have helped you out. They didn't. Okay. Oh well. Uh, and I think it did hurt his development a little bit. But Drew Locke, there, there's still a lot to like there. I think he has a future in the league. Not not necessarily as a starter full-time, but definitely as like someone who can play in the league. Uh, HBO also says, nah, dressed as the Grinch. I don't have a Grinch costume, and I don't think one can get here by Christmas. But I do have a Santa Claus costume that is hilarious. Uh, it makes me look like uh, Dumbledore. But uh, if you guys want to see me do that, and read this wonderful book, the greatest piece of American literature ever. Subscribe to the channel. Let's get to 1,000. Only 16 away. Let's get there. And hopefully we get there by tonight's stream. Tonight we are doing a stream of the Tennessee Titans hosting the San Francisco 49ers. It's going to be a fun time. Check that out. It is already up. You can set your notification for that uh, stream already um, by going to the channel page. And you'll find it under upcoming live streams. So, Check that out. Hit that like button. Subscribe and hit that notification bell so you get notified whenever a new video is released. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. And a happy new year, you filthy animals. Keep the conversation going at Real Take Sports on Twitter. Real Take Sports Talk on Facebook and Instagram. Real Take Sports Talk. Or sorry, realtakesports.com. Check out all the links in the description of this episode. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, be sure to go on over to youtube.com forward slash real take sports. Subscribe, check out all the videos. And of course, as always, be happy, be healthy, be merry, and keep it real. <laughs>